So what is it we believe about Christianity and its relationship uh, to other religions? And, uh, and specifically, the question, is Christianity too narrow? Are Christians uh, too narrow to think that they have truth? We want to talk about that uh, together this morning. But first, I wanted to tell you, um, a few years ago, I was with a group of folks uh, from our church who went on a mission trip to a place called Macau. Now, Macau is a small uh, area uh, attached to mainland China, actually a part of China, but uh, with a little bit of a different governance from mainland China. And, uh, and it's basically a huge city. It is one of the densely, most densely populated places on the face of the earth. It's just skyscraper after skyscraper. And, uh, and we were there to work with the uh, Concordia English uh, uh, play, uh, service there, a place that helped teach people English. We were also there to do a vacation Bible school uh, there in this little park right in the middle of this huge city. Now, one of the things that I noticed as we were walking around in the city is everywhere you went on the sidewalk, there were these little altars. And, uh, and you can see an example on the left there. They were all about the same height, just a couple of feet high with a little shelf that stuck out. Normally, there was some sort of a dish or bowl there that, in which incense was burning. And uh, some of them had, like on the right there, some little cups of like tea and uh, maybe a piece of fruit, like a, a, an orange or a, a lemon or something like that there. And so on Tuesday night, the week that we were there, um, we were at the Concordia English Center and we were doing uh, some conversational uh, English teaching. So I was sitting with another gentleman from Macau who was trying to learn English and we were supposed to just talk about whatever we wanted to talk about and uh, I was supposed to help correct his grammar and things like that. And so, uh, so we were talking and I asked him, I said, tell me about those little altars I see everywhere I go. And so he explained what they were, and, and he said, actually, some people from different religions use them. He said, but, but what I believe about them is that, that the incense that we light in them are, are like our prayers that go up to our ancestors. So like uh, my, my great-grandparents and, and their parents and all the others in my family that have died and gone on before me, uh, that's prayers to those ancestors. And I said, well, what's, what's with the tea and the, and the, the fruit and stuff? And he said, well, those are things we leave for our ancestors because I believe that if we leave those gifts for our ancestors, then they will uh, help give us good luck. And, and I said, well, you know, that's kind of interesting, but... But honestly, I got to tell you, that seems a little weird to me, that, that if, if, you know, like great-grandpa, in order for him to give you luck, you got to bribe him, you know? And, uh, and, and he laughed, and, and, and then he smiled, he said, yeah, that may seem a little weird to you, but aren't you Christians the people that eat and drink the body and blood of your God? I went, okay, yeah, that's pretty weird too, I guess, when you say it that way, right? I get it. And, uh, and the reason I tell you this is because I think that, that for a lot of the religions of the world, um, from the outside, they might look pretty strange, but once you come to understand what they really believe, um, then you, you come to understand them better. And, and so understanding other world religions is a good thing. But, but the question we have this morning is, you know, in a world right now that teaches that, that tolerance and, in fact, acceptance of other people's beliefs is one of the highest values that one of the most important things we can do in this world is honor what other people believe and not force what we believe on anyone. In that kind of world where we're all supposed to, as the bumper sticker says, coexist, is Christianity too narrow? 
A lot of people are asking that question. And honestly, uh, maybe I haven't heard that question as much as I have heard people make that statement. They simply say, yeah, Christianity is too narrow. I want to talk about that together this morning. And, And to do that, I really want to divide this question into two parts. I want to start with the question, first of all, is Christianity narrow? Let's, let's start there and ask ourselves, is Christianity narrow? And then follow up with, well, if it's narrow, then is it too narrow? So let's, let's do that. And also let's start with this idea, is Christianity narrow? And I would say the answer to that is absolutely it is. Yes. No doubt Christianity is narrow. For example, we began the service today and we baptized today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What we believe is that they are three persons and yet one God. That's what we believe. And that's different than any other religion in the world. Other religions teach different things. So, for example, Judaism and Islam teach that there's only one God. They say that we are wrong. In fact, they say that we are heretics when we say that there's this thing called the triune God, uh, that there's really only one God. Hindus, for example, would say that there are many, many gods, and, and any time we would do anything to say, no, there's only one God, that that's wrong, and that's judgmental on others. And so, uh, so they would say, unless you're willing to say that there's many gods, you're wrong. Buddhism, by the way, teaches that there's no God, that, that belief in God is irrelevant, that, that there's a different way that we find fulfillment in life. Now, here's what I'd point out to you. Is Christianity narrow? Yes. Is Judaism narrow? Yes. Is Islam narrow? Yes. Is Hinduism narrow? Yes. Is Buddhism narrow? Yes. Is atheism, by the way, narrow that says there's no God? Yes. See, the reality is, whether you are a Buddhist or a Hindu or an atheist, or whether you practice Judaism or Islam or whether you are a Christian, we all have different things that we believe are true. And that means, by definition, we also believe other things aren't. So all world religions, any belief system is narrow. Let me give you a few other examples. When we talk about how we achieve salvation, every world religion teaches something different. Judaism teaches this. I took this from a Judaism 101 website. In contemporary Judaism, redemption refers to God redeeming the people of Israel from their various exiles. This includes the final redemption from the present exile. Judaism holds that adherents do not need personal salvation as Christians believe. In other words, Jews say Christians are wrong. We don't need to be personally saved. That God saves us as a group or it's a people group that is redeemed. That's what Judaism teaches. Um, How about Islam. Well, for Islam, we go to their holy book, the Quran, and this is what it says. Those who obey Allah and his messenger will be admitted to gardens with rivers flowing beneath to abide therein forever. But those who disobey Allah and his messenger and transgress his limits will be admitted to a fire to abide therein, and they shall have a humiliating punishment. So the Quran teaches Islam believes that it is your behavior here on earth that determines where you spend eternity. It's how you live now will determine how you live then. That's what's taught in Islam. How about Buddhism? I said Buddhists don't believe in God. So then what's salvation like for a Buddhist? Well, this is from a basic Buddhism website. This is what it said. Belief in God is not necessary. 
Based on his own experience, the Buddha saw that each human being had the capacity to purify the mind, develop infinite love and compassion, and perfect understanding. He shifted attention from the heavens to the heart and encouraged us to find solutions to our problems through self-understanding. In other words, for the Buddhist, doesn't matter if there's a God, there's no God, we're not going to go to heaven someday, that, that's, that's not something that's important. What's important is looking inward and being able to purify your thoughts and your mind and your intentions and thereby change your life. That's what Buddhists teach. So what do Christians teach about salvation? Well, we say this. Jesus said it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Christians believe that salvation comes through a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is the answer. So, are Christians narrow? Yep, we are. Here's some other things, some things that people say are narrow that Christians believe. We believe that there's this thing called sin, that there's a right way to behave and a wrong way to behave. And behaving the right way leads to a better life here on earth. And if you do stuff wrong, it's not going to go so well for you here on earth. We believe in truth. We believe that there are some things that are true. Whether you want to believe them or not is up to you, but, but truth exists and it's knowable. But we believe most of all that at the center of everything is love. Christianity is first and foremost all about love, loving God and loving one another and, and being in a relationship with a God that loves and cares about his people. So is Christianity narrow? Yes, it is. All religions are narrow. All um, ways of viewing the world and belief systems are narrow in their own sense. They all have things that they believe are right and things that they believe are wrong. The question really is, is Christianity too narrow? Is it more narrow than other religions or are too narrow for our world today? Now, you're going to have to answer that question for yourself. I can't answer that for you. It's a subjective question. Is it too narrow or not? But I'd like to give you some information this morning that may help you decide whether you believe Christianity is too narrow or not. First of all, let's start with this whole idea of culture. You see, one of the things about Christianity that is unique among the world religions is Christianity at its best is what we would call acultural. In other words, Christianity does not say one certain culture is better than any other, and Christianity, when you look through the ages, has done well in any culture. Most Christians worship on Sunday. Some don't, by the way. But most Christians worship on Sunday. And if you had been around the world in different places this morning, in different Christian churches, you would have seen very, very different kinds of music. You would have seen very, very different styles of dress. You would have seen very, very different architecture. Very, very, even different symbolism and things. The same God, the same concept of love and grace, but in many, many different cultures. Um, I told you before, Pastor Nick's in India. Um, I know for a fact that the church he was at this morning is very different than if he had been here. They wore very different clothing. They sang music that would be very, very different for Nick and not used to it at all. Uh, They were probably, in all likelihood, in a language that he couldn't understand without somebody translating for him. Uh, The architecture of the building was dramatically different, but still Christian. Now, we do have to acknowledge something, though. Sometimes the mistake we make as Christians is we force culture together with our faith, and that's wrong. 
I also know for a fact that one of the churches Nick is going to visit in India is this one. This is a picture from that church on Palm Sunday. You can't even tell they're in India, can you? I mean, it looks like a church in the middle of Iowa somewhere, right? Wearing the same kinds of robes, uh, the same kind of architecture, wooden railing, things like that. By the way, I don't know if you can see this, but there's a big tapestry hanging behind the altar. It's in German. What's up with that, all right? See, the fact is the mistake we make as Christians sometimes is we force our culture together with our faith and we, we presume to think that that's the only right way to practice Christianity and that's flat out wrong. And when we as Christians do that, then absolutely Christianity is too narrow. What I would say is we have to make sure that we understand that Christianity is not a religion. In other words, a a culture or a certain way of worshiping God or a certain language we worship God in or a certain uh, kind of physical uh, building we have to worship in. That that's that's all trappings of religion, and that's not what we're about. Christianity is first and foremost about relationship. A relationship with a God who loves us. Let me ask you this. Could we worship Jesus this morning without our beautiful string ensemble and the organ? Of course. Could we do it without screens? Yes. Could we do it sitting on the floor instead of in pews? Of course we could. Could we do it standing while the pastor sits? Some people worship that way. I like that idea, by the way. (laughs) Of course we could. Could we do it in a different kind of building and in wearing different clothes with different music? Of course we could. You see, Christianity, first and foremost, is not a religion. It's not about certain cultural behaviors. At its heart, it's about a relationship. And that makes it different. And it's a relationship for all people. Uh, An old pastor by the name of Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And he said, this is what I want you to remember. He said, I want you to remember that God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. One of the most famous Bible passages is John 3.16. For God so loved the, what's the next word? World. Not God so loved Americans, or God so loved white people, or God so loved men, or God so loved pastors. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. At its heart, Christianity teaches that we have a God that loves everyone. And that God is a God for everyone. Paul was trying to get this point across in the book of Galatians. He was writing to a church that was, quite frankly, a pretty tense place sometimes because they had Gentiles and Jews all together in the same place. They had men and women in the same church, which, by the way, was unusual in that day. Often men and women would have worshipped separately in their own church and with their own religion. They they had uh, slaves and free people all, again, worshipping together at the same place. And so Paul wrote to them and he said, look, those big differences among you, those differences mean nothing. Because Jesus says for all. He said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is for all, he said. We heard of another example of Paul who was in a city called Athens. Now, did you notice in the reading before that Jeff read that the city of Athens was full of temples to all these different gods? And, and, and there was a reason for that. It was because Athens was trying to be an inclusive city. You see, in those days, they believed that if you were born in this place, 
you had local gods in that place and they were automatically your gods because you were born there. Or if you were born in this place, well, you had different gods for that place. If you were male, you had certain gods. If you were female, you had different gods. If you were a slave, you had certain gods that were just for slaves. If you were free, you had certain gods for just for free. If you owned land, there were certain gods for people that owned land. If you were a merchant, there were certain gods for merchants. So everybody had their own gods, and you couldn't have that god if you weren't, if you didn't belong. So in Athens, they were going to try to be inclusive. And so they had temples for all the gods they could think of. So whoever came to Athens would feel at home and comfortable. They would find a place for their God. And Paul comes along and says, I can do you one better. So the reality is, I've got one God that can be for all of you. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or whether you're free. I have a God, Paul said, who loves you all. Christianity is for everyone. And by the way, not every world religion can say that. When I was in Israel once, I had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with, with a, a Hasidic Jew, a, um, a very devout, faithful Jew. And I asked him at one point in that conversation, I said, could I become a Jew? And he said, no. He said, you can convert to Judaism, but when you do that, you simply become a faithful Gentile. You still will never be a Jew. See, we as Christians would never say that. We would simply say, it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what, where, where you live. Christianity is for all. Now, let's go back to our bumper sticker, right? This idea that we live in a society right now that teaches acceptance and tolerance of others is a high value. And, and I agree, we should always be respectful of people that believe different things than we do. Absolutely. But I think buried in that, in that uh, coexist bumper sticker is, is an important truth I want to make sure you don't miss. Think for a moment about the symbols that people choose to use for their religion, for what they believe. Like take, for example, the, the star and the crescent, which is the symbol for Islam. Originally, do you know where that comes from? It comes from the flag that was used in the 19th century by the Ottoman Empire. And, uh, and uh, again, I went to a, a, a Muslim website to find out what they teach about this. And they say that it is a metaphor for the rule of Islamic uh, countries everywhere in the world. And in fact, they would say that their star and crescent, this is right from one of their websites, says this, it's the symbol of the story of the migration of our prophet Muhammad. Now, by the way, migration is a nice way of saying conquest, actually. So that's their symbol. Their symbol for their religion reminds them of the rule of Muslims in the world. Let's take another one. What about that symbol? That's the Star of David, or actually, technically, it's called the Shield of David. And Jews teach, they believe that when David conquered uh, the Holy Land and when, they, when David ruled, his shield had that symbol on it. And so for them, the Star of David, and again, I got this right from a Jewish website, says this, it's the symbol of power and peace under King David. Let's take another one. How about that symbol? That's um, an Eastern religion symbol called yin and yang, and you know what it stands for? 
It says this, it's the symbol of opposite or contrary forces that are actually complementary, interconnected, and interdependent. So in other words, they would say, yes, there's such a thing as good and evil, but there's a little bit of evil in what is good, and there's a little bit of good in what is evil, and you can't have good without evil, that they are interconnected. That's what's taught. And so their symbol teaches that kind of idea of interconnectedness of opposite things in the world. Well, what about our symbol? Those of us that are Christians. Well, technically, it's a device used by Romans to torture and kill people. That's what it is. We used to have a gentleman that worshipped here at Trinity Kimberly Way, and one time he showed me a necklace he used to wear that that he had made. He he made jewelry. And uh, he pulled it out and he showed it to me. And you know what was hanging on the end of his chain? It it was a little uh, version of an electric chair. I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And he goes, yeah. He said, that's the point. Did you ever think how weird it is that we wear crosses? It's a symbol of torture used by the Roman government. So why is that our symbol? Why is, of all the symbols we could use for Christianity, why is that the most commonly used symbol? Well, for us, it's a reminder of a God that became one of us and gave himself, his sacrifice, on our behalf. And when you think about it, that's very, very different than other symbols, isn't it? Folks, we have to be careful as Christians. Because when we see, say things like, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In our world today, that sounds incredibly narrow. But the reality is, if you know Jesus, you know he came for all people. And he was all about love and acceptance about everyone. Now, the next question is, well, was Jesus who he said he was? Was he really God? And we're going to talk about that next week. That's our next question. But today, I I just want to remind us all, those of us that do believe in Jesus, those of us that do call ourselves Christians, that we have to be careful, first of all, that we don't force our cultural connections to God on others, because that would be too narrow. But at the same time, that we recognize that we believe in a God who loves everyone who is for all. Let's pray about that. Lord God, This morning, first of all, Lord, we want to admit that sometimes judgment and intolerance are part of Christianity, and they shouldn't be because you are not a God who judges others and is intolerant of others and and who uh, decides whether people are going to spend eternity with you based on their behavior. You're a God of love, and you're a God of acceptance and of grace. We've all received that grace. Lord, none of us deserve to follow you, and yet you come to us with your love, you tell us our sins are forgiven, and you welcome us into a relationship with you. Lord, help us be as welcoming and as winsome. In your name we pray, amen.